When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Please, welcome, welcome to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert, and we here, we here join you from the Ed Sullivan Theater with all these beautiful people, and ladies and gentlemen, we are live, look at that, we are live right there. It's our live election show, and because these days it often feels like our politics are in the upside down, we're calling tonight Stranger Midterms 2022. We're running up that hill tonight. Though the GOP is picking up seats in the House, so far, it does not look like a red wave. Perhaps. Perhaps. Too early to tell. Perhaps a pink trickle. (laughs) They should really have that checked out. And you're all going to want to stay with us for the next hour because we will have up-to-the-minute election results and up-to-the-minute election denials. In fact... (laughs) We've prepared three results graphics tonight. Winner, loser, and loser yelling that they won just as their friend holding a pillow. Because the thing is... Republican election deniers out there are on ballots in 48 of the 50 states tonight, making up a majority of this year's GOP nominees. And if any of them are elected to Congress, that's going to make the next insurrection real awkward. (laughs) Hang myself! Hang myself! (laughs) Now, all night, all night long, these election numbers are going to be pouring in, and I know you expect up-to-the-minute analysis from comedy shows. But if half the country denies the existence of math, it doesn't really matter where we get the numbers from. So please welcome The Late Show's senior elections analyst, live from the CBS Midterms Projection Coop, Steve Klucknacki. Steve. Steve, thank you for joining us from The Coop. Steve, you've been keeping a sharp eye and an even sharper beak on tonight's results. What trends are you seeing out there? Okay, he's, wa- he's wandering around Georgia. Could mean a high rural turnout. Could mean he saw a delicious grub over there. Thank you, Steve. We'll be checking in all night on your impeccable and excellent analysis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry, Steve. That was insensitive. Those are your children. Now, one of the biggest races that everyone has been watching is in Georgia between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. And right now, they are neck and almost entirely neck. (laughs) 
It is so tight. It's still tight? Is this still a tight race? It is so tight, this race could be decided by a margin of error of plus or minus Herschel Walker's secret children. <laughs> and is this true? I'm told we do have some results. Uh, here in New York, in a shocker, the Senate race has been called for Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. <laughs> and... Out of respect for his opponent's political demise, Schumer will be wearing his glasses at half-mast. <laughs> in... this gentleman. In the Florida governor's race, Democrat Charlie Crist has been defeated by MAGA wannabe and 2024 hopeful Ron DeSantis. And now, in accordance with Florida law, Charlie Crist will be forced on a plane and flown to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> staying... Are we staying in Florida? Staying in Florida... In the Senate race, it looks like Republican Marco Rubio has defeated Democratic rising star Val Demings. In 2020, Demings was on the short list to be Joe Biden's running mate, while Rubio is on the short list for being short. <laughs> Up in New Hampshire, Republican Governor Chris Sununu has been reelected. Sununu will remain in office as the chief executive of one of these two states. <laughs> Still not sure which one. In the other one of uh, whichever those states it is, Vermont, the Senate race has wrapped up, and Democrat Peter Welch is the winner. At 75... At 75 years old, Welch is the oldest person ever elected to a first term as a U.S. senator. However, at 75, he will also be one of the youngest members of the Senate. (laughs) Over in Indiana, incumbent GOP Senator Todd Young has won re-election without the 45th president's endorsement making him one of the most successful Republicans to have zero support from the former president. The least successful? Eric. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. In midterms, the presidency is not on the ballot tonight, so we're primarily focused on control of the House and the Senate. The Republicans only need a net gain of one seat in the Senate and five seats in the House. Don't know what's going to happen, but here's what we do know. There are two possible outcomes tonight. Either... The Democrats will get more votes and keep the Congress, or the Democrats will get more votes and lose the Congress. (laughs) That's the way our government works. (laughs) Chances look especially good for Republicans in the House, as 538 gives them an 84% chance of taking control. Now, to arrive at that Republican advantage, pollsters asked a lot of questions, but the one I'd like to answer it is, has anyone heard of January 6th? Remember when the folks who got elected today supported a violent attack on our government? Did people forget the zip ties, the shaman with the horns, the beating up of the cops, the calls to hang the vice president? Am I missing anything? The poo-poo. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Madam Speaker. Now, if the Democrats lose the House, Nancy Pelosi will be replaced by Kevin McCarthy, a guy who is on tape after January 6th asking for the ex-president to be removed from office. But instead, three weeks later... He removed his own balls and hand-delivered them to (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. If McCarthy is elected speaker, one of the first things on his party's agenda is revenge on the January 6th committee. They plan to subpoena members of the select committee, particularly Liz Cheney. Hey, GOP, I know you're feeling confident, but are you sure you want to mess with the Cheneys? (laughs) If you mess with the Liz, you may awaken the dick. (laughs) Remember the shotgun to the face? That's how he treats his friends. 
Long has he slumbered and oh, how he hungers. You won't hear him coming because he doesn't have a heartbeat. GOP also plans to move... also plans to move this country forward... by investigating the foreign business deals of Hunter Biden. I knew we should never have elected President Hunter Biden. <laughs> hold on, hold on. That sound means we have an update from the CBS midterms projection coop. There's... Where, what do we got here? Steve? There's Steve Klucknacki, joined by his colleague, John Chicken a King. Got, what, what are you seeing, fellas? Oh, oh, no. Looks like my colleagues had a little accident off the coast of Oregon. Bit of a vote dump, shall we say. Jim, can, can we get our head statistician, Robin Fearberg, to go in there and clean up the map? You're, do, you're doing important work, Robert. Are, are, are you are enjoying wiping up chicken poop while you wait for the results to come in? I used to work at CNN. <laughs> One race that might test our patience tonight is the Pennsylvania Senate race, which pits Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, seen here about to swat a satellite out of low orbit, <laughs> against GOP candidate and realtor who never said there wasn't a murder in this house, Dr. Mehmet Oz. Now, here's the thing. In Pennsylvania... They're not allowed to process mail-in ballots before Election Day, so it could be several days before we have results. If no winner has been declared by the time the new Senate is sworn in, the vacant seat will then be occupied by Senator Gritty. (laughs) And I'm being told, is this true? We have more results out of the state of Georgia. Jim, can we get the Georgia graphic up there? That appears to be a bunch of grubs and a warm nest of hay. That's not the graphic I was counting on. Jim, what's going on in the control room? Jim. Jim, what's happening? Okay, it appears the chickens have seized power. Jim, don't panic. I will send in an extraction team with a fry daddy and some buffalo sauce. In the meantime, we've got a great show for you tonight. My guests are CBS News anchor John Dickerson... More Late Show Poncho after this. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And I'm being told, is this true? We've got, we've got some new, we have news results. But here, these just came in. These are actual things on cards, so you know they're real. Uh, this is... Do we go with New York first? Do we have the graphics for that? New York, uh, we're just getting word that Democratic incumbent Kathy Hochul has defeated MAGA candidate Lee Zeldin to remain governor of New York. This marks the historic first time New York has ever had a female governor on purpose. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, Pennsylvania. This is a big one. In Pennsylvania... We saw a heated match between Democrat Josh Shapiro and far-right nutjob uh, Christian nationalist Doug Mastriano 
during the campaign. You may remember that Mastriano got in a little bit of trouble for posing in a Confederate uniform. Well, tonight, he's once again honoring Confederate history by losing in Pennsylvania. <laughs> remember Gettysburg! And then uh, down in North Carolina, this was expected. In North Carolina Senate race, we got word that Republican Ted Budd has beaten Democratic challenger Sherry Beasley, which is too bad for a, a couple of reasons. One was, I was really looking forward to the headline, Sherry Beasley smokes Bud. <laughs> now, there's also exciting news. Is, do we, is this new? We have the results on this? Exciting news out of the New Hampshire Senate race, Democrat Maggie Hassan has defeated ultra-maga... Don Bolduck. <laughs> Bolduck, of course, was an election denier, and fittingly, his bed for the Senate has been denied. <laughs> We're getting results from the South Carolina governor's race. Incumbent Republican Henry McMaster has defeated Democratic challenger Joe Cunningham. Now, Cunningham first began to suspect he might lose when he found out he was a Democrat running in South Carolina. <laughs> We also have some results from the Arkansas governor's race, which has been called for former White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders. By that sound, I'm guessing that you might remember her from her hit collections, Podium Lies, More Podium Lies, and Now That's What I Call Podium Lies. (laughs) The Colorado governor's race goes to incumbent Jared Polis, who earlier this year... Earlier this year, signed an executive order protecting marijuana users' rights, so his victory was secured due to high voter turnout. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Boy, that hits harder the closer you get. (laughs) Staying in Colorado, I'm happy to report that Democrat Michael Bennett has secured an easy victory. This is seen as an early bellwether for Democrats, and I'm happy for Michael Bennett. My only regret is that he is not interesting enough to write a joke about. And, and we've had him on this show. And I remember nothing. And I just showed his photo, and I've already forgotten his face. Congratulations. We have, uh, we have some results. Is this Maryland? We have results from the Maryland governor's race where Democrat Wes Moore has defeated Dan Cox making Moore the first black governor of Maryland. Wes Moore, previously best known as the author of the book The Other Wes Moore. He now moves to the governor's mansion. Congratulations to Wes Moore or The Other Wes Moore. It's too early to tell. Apparently, voters did not respond to his opponent Dan Cox's Chesapeake Bay seafood-themed campaign event. Cox has crabs. Out... Out in South Dakota, governor's race has been called for Republican incumbent Kristi Noem. The result, of course, is no surprise. South Dakota is famous for three things. Being a red state, Mount Rushmore, and only being famous for those first two things. (laughs) Out in Illinois, we're getting news that there will be a second term for Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker. Pritzker also continues to be the politician whose name most sounds like a wine cooler. Bartender, I'll take a J.B. Pritzker with just a little extra... Pritzk. (laughs) On the West Coast, the polls have barely closed in California, and Democrat Gavin Newsom has won (laughs) re-election. Newsom's ultimate victory is likely to be a landslide, which, since this is California, will be followed by an earthquake and a wildfire. (laughs) 
Alaska hasn't even closed yet, but because I like this joke, I'm going to say that Lisa Murkowski has defeated Republican Kelly Shibaka. And I believe we have a preview of Shibaka's concession speech. Coming up, John Dickerson. Hey, everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate, though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week, I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, before... Before we get into it, I got one more result here. This is this Connecticut. Uh, uh, in the race for Connecticut governor, incumbent Democrat Ned Lamont has defeated Republican Bob Stefanowski. Although the race is still a complete toss up when it comes to guessing which one is which. <laughs> Folks, a man who will know the answer to that, my first guest is CBS News chief political analyst and anchor of CBS News Primetime with John Dickerson. Please welcome back to The Late Show, John Dickerson. <laughs> now, uh, you, you've seen all the, all the breaking, uh, breaking uh, races that we've talked about. Is there something, can before we start, is there something yeah. you can break right now? Well, our uh, producer, Ann Shu just sent me that Arizona, CBS um, identifies Arizona governor and Senate both as lean Democrat at this, at this moment. Okay. So that's before, I mean, you know, that's just a prognostication, but of course those, you know, the Arizona Senate race is one Democrats have to hold if they want to say control of the Senate. And obviously in Arizona, you've got a governor uh, candidate, Carrie Lake on the Republican side, who is a thorough election denier. And has said that she will accept the results if she wins. Right. And you've got an election denier running for Fincham, running for Secretary of State, who has said a version of of the same thing. And Blake Masters, running for the Senate seat, also has denied and then has tried to kind of moderate, as he has on a number of different positions. But anyway, that's where that's going. And it's been kind of in keeping with the night, which is that it's um, not the overwhelming... If something's leaning Dem, that means it's it's going in a Democratic direction. um, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been where the night's been going relative to people's expectations. Well, first of all, thank you for coming over. I know that we've borrowed you from CBS News midterm coverage, and I don't, I don't want to be late here. I'm going <laughs> to stuff you back in the pneumatic tube and shoot you back over to the broadcast <laughs> hey, center because yeah. I can't afford the late fees. <laughs> okay. As you're saying, so we, we, we may not know. We may not know. We've got Schrodinger's election here so far. Right. It, it, it's, we, we, we don't know all the results. What is valuable for us to know so far, and how is tonight comparing to the expectations that were being built in polling, in reporting, and let's say on like 538, that people refresh on a minute-by-minute basis leading up to elections like this. Is, well, is, it, is, it, is it overturning these expectations? Yes, but a lot of things, like 538 and a lot of the polling would have said, 
here's what might happen, but it's within a range. Right. Um, and we'll know by the end of the night whether we're even within the range. But I think at the moment, we're still... At the moment, things are not turning out the way Republicans thought. If you look at the races, they had hoped... They had sort of three scenarios, and they're reflected in three races in Virginia, the 2nd, the 7th, and the 10th District. They basically... Kevin McCarthy was in the 10th District on uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. In other words, that's a deep blue area. Joe Biden won that with 58% of the vote. Terry McAuliffe won it with 5% of the vote. So if you're spending time there, you really think you're going to win in deep blue territories. They didn't win in the 10th District, and they didn't win in the 7th District either. So in Virginia, Republicans have picked up one seat of the three they kind of thought they were going to get. So expectations are, are, they are underperforming relative to expectations. That doesn't mean they won't still take control of the House. Mm -hmm. At the moment, they have enough seats that they've won, that they've flipped, to take control of the House. Then the key question is, what kind of House are you in control of? And we can, we can talk about that. He only has to pick up five to right. become the next Speaker. And it's a fait accompli that he would be the Speaker, do you think? Well, I don't know. If you only pick up six, then every man or woman's a king because... You've got such small margins. Everybody can say, "Well, if you you know you can't really afford to lose my vote." When you when you win a speakership, you want to have a big margin so you can allow people to be kind of crazy and over there. And think about what it's been like to be Republican speaker. Newt Gingrich became speaker and ultimately was pushed out. And he said that the ultra conservative members in his coalition were cannibals. Then John Boehner, who was pushed out, he called them terror political terrorists. So. McCarthy may very well be speaker, but he may have a very restive caucus that makes his life very difficult. And with a small margin, that makes it even more difficult. Now, one thing that I've heard you talk about is that there's very little split ticket voting anymore. But you're seeing some of it yeah. this time around. Where are we seeing sure. some evidence of In that? In New Hampshire. So Governor Sununu, the Republican, was reelected by a wide margin. But then uh, Baldock, the uh, Republican Senate candidate, was beaten rather handily by Maggie Hassan, the Democrat. So there you had voters who were voting for the Democrat for Senate, uh, but voting for the Republican for governor, or they were voting for the Republican for governor and then just leaving the voting booth. In, in Georgia, though it hasn't been called yet, the governor's race, Brian Kemp, won handily, but I think about 2 million votes. Herschel Walker at the moment is at about 179, which means 200,000 voters in Georgia, Republicans, either voted for Kemp Warnock, Republican Democrat, or just camp and left town, or, you know, left the voting booth. When you came out here, where did that race stand? Because when I came out here to start the show, it was four-tenths of one percent, yeah. with neither candidate having 50 percent. That's exactly right. And you've also... So neither has 50 percent, and they may not. Chase Oliver, who's the third person running, who has two percent of the vote, may make this a runoff. If it's a runoff, that means December 6th, there will be another election. And just what like could, last time. Yes, just like last time. And then what could happen is... If we get to, basically, the Republicans and Democrats get what they would need, basically the entire control of the Senate could come down to Georgia. The entire political world between now and December 6th could move to Georgia, and that race between just Warnock and Walker could be what it all comes down to for control of the Senate, and then everything will go bonkers. Well, on, on that bonkers note, we're going to take a little pause <laughs> here, take a commercial break, and we'll be right back with more John Dickerson, everybody.
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, we're back here with CBS News' own John Dickerson. All right, uh, John, uh, before we left, we were talking about the balance of the Senate, among other things, and... Before I came out here, it was still unknown what's going on in Pennsylvania and Georgia and Nevada, which were the three states left likely to flip in either direction. We don't know about Georgia yet, though it's very tight. We don't have enough on Nevada, but I understand there's a little bit more information on Pennsylvania. Yes, Bo Erickson, another one of my colleagues, says, CBS says Pennsylvania Senate is now lean dam. And, okay, so why can they... Why, why can they make that um, it, suggestion, shall we say? Because our elections director, Anthony Salvato, just said that Fetterman is looking good because the outstanding vote is basically in Philly and Pittsburgh. And if you think of Pennsylvania... <laughs> and Pittsburgh is... Right. Democratic votes are on the Pittsburgh, Philly and Pittsburgh, depending on where you're sitting, mm-hmm. and the middle is where the Republican gets their votes. So the, the outstanding vote would, um, is, it look, is Fetterman's, and basically Oz would have to win... 52% of what's left, and given the way this race is, that's a, a harder hill for him to climb. So that's why they're saying it's leaning down. Okay. Not, not totally there, but... Uh, I got two questions that are sort of related to each other, and it has to do with the confidence of um, Republicans, mostly. 65% of Republicans believe that there was uh, shenanigans in, in the last election. And that was, all, of course, led by the former president going out there and saying, this is all Rob, we were winning, we did win. And at the time, back in, in 2020, you said, I put it very well, you said, by doing this and by Republicans not standing up to that accusation that they are burning the Democratic furniture and that there will be a price to pay. Are we seeing any of that price reflected in, in this year's campaign and in any of these results so far? Well, Congresswoman Luria in the 2nd District of Virginia lost. She's on the, the, the January 6th committee. Mm-hmm. And then you have, of course, Cheney and Kinzinger, who were basically pushed out of politics, and others who voted for Trump's impeachment. I think of the Trump 10, eight of them are no longer returning. to Trump 10 being Republicans who voted for Trump's impeachment. Mm-hmm. Eight of them are not coming back for one reason or another. So mm-hmm. um, on the other hand, in terms of motivation and turnout, that may be one of the things we find. What, what our exit polls tell us is people... Those who care, inflation, abortion are top of mind. Those who care about democracy, though, it's interesting. Half of them are Democrats saying we're really worried about Republican election deniers. The other half are Republican election deniers saying voter fraud and a variety of other things. So when you hear people say democracy's on the ballot, for a lot of Republican voters, that means something very different. It's not just a message to Democrats, and that's something that's been interesting in this election. The, the top so far, last time in 2020, it was Chris Krebs, who was really sort of Horatio at the bridge, saying to the administration, no, you're, there, there actually wasn't outside interference with this election. You really did lose. It was a very secure election. This time around, you have other top election security experts saying, we haven't actually seen any uh, either foreign or domestic shenanigans 
with uh, our elections. Yet, 65% of Republicans, as I said, believe that there were some, uh, some didn't believe in the results. How do you, as you report this, these results? A, do you keep that stat in mind yeah. as you talk about it? And what do you do to try to, I don't know, uh, elicit some trust in the information that you're getting and transmitting? Well, can, before I get to that, I do want to just step back for a second. That's the extraordinary thing about this election. So for the last 40 years, whenever a president's party has controlled both the House and the Senate and they've gone into the midterms, they've lost one of those two. The Senate's flipped control seven times, the House four times. That's okay. Good partisanship may bring out the best ideas, and we could use some good ideas, but we don't have good partisanship. And what we have is people who are going to win tonight, 150 have already won, who are lying about the last election. And that is poison that you're pouring into into the American system because... We give people power because we have faith in the elections. So elections can refresh democracy, but you can't refresh democracy if you've been pouring poison into it. And that's, that's what's happening in this election, regardless of who takes control. How do we deal with this? What we try to do is be super transparent about, and we also have something called a democracy desk. Um, David Becker, who's an election um, law expert, who's there who can say, no, here's the law in Pennsylvania. Here's what curing a ballot means when you hear this word. Here's the terminology. Don't be confused by it. There's a long tradition of election law and procedure, which actually worked quite well in 2020. Regardless of what those who are lying about it say, it actually worked really well. And it appears so far tonight it's working well. So we have people who are explaining patiently how the process works so that people won't think there's any shenanigans because when there isn't information, those who have ill intent rush in and offer, you know, some crazy theory. And once the, you know, a lie gets, you know, a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth can get its boots on. Well, John, thank you for coming over here and giving us your information. Good luck getting back there. Don't get Nora mad at me. CBS News Prime Time with John Dickerson streams Monday through Thursday. Check it out. You can find more of John's reporting tonight after our show on CBS Live midterm coverage. John Dickerson, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Calling all vendors and non-vendors alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar, Braving the Elements. Wherever you get your podcasts.